0: Let me welcome those who are worshiping worshiping with us this morning by means of live streaming. We're glad that you're tuning in. Hope you do so from week to week when you can't be here with us. and Join us anytime and know that we consider you a part of our life and work and ministry here. Our next lesson comes to us from the Gospel of John. I'll be reading from the 8th chapter, verses 31 through 38. Let us continue to listen for the Word of God. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? And Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are descendants of Abraham, yet you look for an opportunity to kill me because there is no place in you for my word. I declare what I have seen in the Father's presence. As for you, you should do what you have heard from the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This past Thursday we celebrated the 243rd birthday of this republic on what we call, what I prefer to call Independence Day. It's also the 4th of July, but... I like to say Independence Day, lest we forget what the occasion for the celebration for for the 4th of July is. Every country has a 4th of July, I suppose, but uh, not every country, unfortunately, has an Independence Day. I hope you had a wonderful day on Thursday. And I hope that 57 years from now, your pastor will stand in this pulpit and celebrate with those who are part of this church family the 300th anniversary of the liberties that we enjoy as Americans but I have to tell you I have severe reservations about that I have my doubts one reason I do is because so many people glibly glibly assume that because we've always been free for over 250 years we will always be free that is not necessarily the case in fact seldom is it the case with democracies What I intend to say is that many of the foundation stones for the freedoms we enjoy are rapidly eroding before our eyes and we seek no longer to have a common understanding of history or of liberty or of the source and nature of the liberties that we enjoy in this land. God has given us these gifts we believe and they are to be protected and passed on There is a symbiotic relationship, I think, between our faith and our liberties. Both have been given to us by God. I'm in the midst of reading right now John Meacham's book called American Gospel. It's about the making of America and the lives of the founding fathers. He has this interesting quote from Thomas Jefferson, who said, The God who gave us life gave us liberty at the same time. Then the writer adds, the principles of, a God, of God-given life and God-given human rights are the two things on which this nation rose and on which it still depends. Now, one way to characterize the history of the United States of America is to see it as a continuing saga of various liberating movements that came down through the generations. All kinds of people have been liberated in various circumstances. There was liberation from religious persecution, liberation from outside influence and unfair taxation, liberation from tyranny and injustice, and continuing the liberation of people from poverty and ignorance. Truly, America is the story of the freedoms gained over the generations by various religious minorities, by women, by various races and ethnicities, and by all sorts and conditions of men and women. And that is what a review of our history reveals, and it's also what a review of our history encourages, I think. Now I ask today, what is the source of these cherished liberties? Where do they come from? How did we get them? Many people would attribute our liberties to the views and values that emerged out of the Enlightenment in the 17th and 18th century, the writings of men like Rousseau, historians like Edward Gibbon, and the founders of this republic like Washington, Jefferson, Adams, Madison, Burr, and others, many of whom, by the way, were uh, beneficiaries. I started to say victims, but beneficiaries of the Scottish Reformation and the Scottish Enlightenment. It had a powerful impact. On these reforming people in America. To be sure, because of the enlightenment, there emerged a renewed commitment to political and personal freedoms. To the rights of the individual. To opposition to tyranny and totalitarianism. To free will and self-rule. And these principles and convictions were woven into our foundational documents like the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. Our Declaration of Independence reminds us of the God-given rights that we have received. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all people are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and yet I am not so certain that as citizens in this land we fully understand or appreciate the values that we have received and their importance for our continuing life as free people. Last week our president was asked to comment on Vladimir Putin's statement that he believed western-style liberalization was now obsolete a very powerful statement. Western side liberalism is now obsolete. I don't think the president fully understood the depth of what he was saying because he went on to talk about his perceived uh, obsolete leadership as he saw it in among some democratic liberals in, in California in San Francisco and Los Angeles. But Putin was not talking about liberalism in a partisan or political sense. He was talking about western style liberalism out of which our country emerged and other democratic societies that gave shape and influence to who we are as a people. Seems to me we may all need to go back and take a new course in western civilization or civics and get in touch with what is the DNA of the freedoms we enjoy. What is the DNA of the America that was formed in 1776 and going forward to 1789? Where do these freedoms come from that have been so hard won and which we enjoy today? Last Tuesday's News and Courier told of a coming exhibition at the Greensboro Historical Museum, our old church, from the Smithsonian Institution. And it's an exhibit called American Democracy, A Great Leap of Faith. And it will examine some of the debates and some of the issues that went into political participation and dissent in this country over the past two centuries. Maybe that would be a good first step for all of us to go see what that program can teach us about our origins and the freedoms we enjoy in this land but still, in all, more than an understanding of history is needed if we're going to protect and preserve our inherited liberties. Because the source of these blessings do not come from the Enlightenment, they go well beyond that. They go back to our foundation and source, our God, if you will, whom our founding fathers referred to in a non sectarian way as nature's God or as the Creator as a citizen and as a person of faith I'm concerned frankly about the seeming precarious state of freedom in this country and it is not a knowledge of history alone that will revive us or a knowledge of philosophical principles one of my concern is the waning absence of the knowledge of God in this land in recent weeks I've shared with you some of the sobering statistics about the declining numbers In churches all across this land. By the fact that seemingly many young adults. Are abandoning churches and synagogues. All over the land. And what I would suggest to you. Is that the demise of religion. And the growing secularization of our culture. And the abandoning of the church and the synagogues. And the houses of worship that practice a sound religion. Does not bode well for the future of freedom in any democracy especially our own. I told our Sunday school class this morning I think I told them this if not I'll tell them next week that in 2007 there were two organizations that came together in Geneva Switzerland uh, that were alliances of Presbyterian and reformed people around the world. It was the unifying council of the world communion of reformed churches. It's Presbyterians and Reformed people all over the world like us. And it identified as the major challenges facing the church in the coming decades are the secularization of society and the marginalization of the church. Those two things seem to go hand in glove together. Those who formed this nation from its earlier days recognized as we need to recognize That liberty is dependent upon two things that sound religion ought to provide. Truth and duty. If you don't have both, you are not long going to have liberty. Truth. One day Jesus said to skeptics about him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Freedom was conditional upon the preservation of the truth. Now some people would say, oh, Jesus wasn't talking about democracy. He was just talking about spiritual freedom, not political or national liberty. But I'm among those who contend that the two are intimately related. And even though democracy was not, as we understand it, was not really known, it was a foreign concept in our Lord's day, democracy had its birth and derives its strength from Judeo-Christian values. And friends, if we don't recognize that a commitment to speaking and telling the truth seems to be in jeopardy in this land, then we simply have our heads in the sand. I marvel that in such a relatively short time as a culture, we seem to have abandoned a commitment to telling and speaking the truth and holding all persons accountable for the truth. And now we speak in nonsensical terms of alternate facts. There's no such thing. We can have alternate interpretations and understandings of the fact, but we don't have the option to determine what the facts are. Just two years ago, Time magazine had a cover issue. I wonder if you saw this. It reminded me of another one that I will mention. In bold red letters on a black background, it asks, is truth dead in this society? Back in 1966, they had another issue that asked, is God dead? That looked the same way, bold red on a black background. I don't know what your opinion, what your assessment of either of those questions are. Is the belief in God dead in this land? Is the belief in truth dead in this land? I assure you, if either is dead, the other will soon die. And so too will the liberties that you and I have enjoyed and our country has enjoyed. Liberty depends upon truth and duty. And that is why it is so crucial that people of faith, that churches and synagogues and other houses of worship among honorable religious bodies, insist on preserving, protecting, and speaking the truth as they're given to understand it. And this applies to all segments of society. It applies from the White House to the City Hall. It applies to the pulpit. It applies to the media. We must stand by the truth, as painful as it may be to hear or accept sometimes. You may or may not know the name of Josiah Gilbert Holland. In the 19th century, he was a poet and an educator and an editor of Scribner's magazine. At one time early in his career, he had lived in Vicksburg, Mississippi where I formerly served and was a member of that congregation when he served as superintendent of education for the county. And when he was with Scribner's, he wrote a poem that is applicable, I'm sure, to any age, but it seems to be especially relevant now. A poem entitled, God Give Us Men. Now, you'll have to exclude the non-inclusive language here, but this is what his poem says. God give us men. A time like this demands strong minds, great hearts, true faith, and ready hands. Men whom the lust of office does not kill, men whom the spoils of office cannot buy, Men who possess opinions and a will. Men who have honor. Men who will not lie. Men who can stand before a demagogue and damn his treacherous flatteries without winking. Tall men, sun-crowned, who live above the fog, in public duty and in private thinking. For while the rabble, with their thumb-worn creeds, their large professions and their little deeds, mingle in selfish strife, lo, freedom weeps. Wrong rules the land and waiting justice sleeps." And what can we say of the necessity of duty in a free society? Lord Acton, who was described as the magistrate of history in the 19th century and spent his whole life and career dealing with the history of liberty, wrote this, "'No country can be free without religion. It creates and sustains the notion of duty. If men are not kept straight by duty, they must be kept straight by fear. And the more they're kept by fear, the less they are free. The greater the strength of duty, the greater the liberty. Surely you must recognize with me how increasingly difficult it is in our age to talk to people about their duties... Not just their freedoms or their options, but their duties. Especially the younger generation. Civic duties. Political duties. Military duties. Social duties. And yes, spiritual duties. We seem to assume that duties are a denial of our liberties. A restriction of our freedoms. But our liberties actually rest upon these duties. For some three centuries now. Americans have cherished a belief inspired by our religious heritage and written into our foundational documents that good government and sound religion are separate spheres, but they are mutually dependent. In that book about the American gospel, the point is made that Jefferson came up with this concept of the separation of church and state. There would be no church or state-endorsed church, but that is not to mean that there would be no connection between one's convictions as a person of faith and their politics speaking in Baltimore a few years back when he visited America Pope John Paul II urged people of faith in America to bring their religious convictions to bear upon their political life and he said democracy needs virtue if it is not to turn against everything, it is meant to defend and encourage. Democracy stands or falls with the truths and values it embodies and promotes. You see, what we must not forget and must help the younger generations to realize that is that freedom was God's idea before it was ever the idea of men or women. The source of liberty, yes, goes far beyond the enlightenment. From the very beginning, from Eden on, if you will, our connection to the Creator as His creatures was not a chain or a cage, but a willing bond of love and gratitude. The relationship between the Creator and the creature was characterized by freedom and based on trust. Adam and Eve were free to obey or disobey God, but they were not free to escape the consequences of this decision and this arrangement on God's behalf entailed tremendous risk because as the scriptures teach us the risk of freedom is the bondage of sin if we are truly free then we can freely decide to become enslaved and yet it is not God who enslaves us rather we freely choose to violate the will and the ways of God to discard the truths of God for the opinions of men And we discover new or rediscover old forms of bondage. Because after all, everybody serves somebody. Everybody has a God. Whether you call it a God or not. And if it is not the living God who created us and who in Jesus Christ has redeemed us. Then it will be a God of our own design and making. And yet, if we serve the living God then we should not be afraid to challenge or confront any lesser God who vies for our allegiance and who threatens our liberty. At its best, America has cherished a belief in freedom for all people. And this belief comes right out of our spiritual heritage. Freedom is a foundational truth and originates not with the Constitution or abstract philosophical notions but with the faith that founded and fuels this republic. In 1789, the year our constitution was ratified, the second president of the United States, John Adams, wrote this, Our constitution was designed for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate for the government of any other. Now some might might challenge that statement, and many do today, but there remain many of us who hold to it still. And that is precisely why I am so concerned about freedom's future in this country. If we choose to abandon the ethical, moral, and spiritual principles that brought about our existence, and if these are not reflected in our policies and principles and laws, then our liberties will eventually be lost. We can count on it. And what I am suggesting for your consideration, you can agree or disagree, that's up to you, but for your consideration, is that the demise of religion portends the end of liberty because liberty rests upon truth and duty. Truth that is above and beyond the pronouncements of the state or the opinions of the public, even a majority of them. Truth is not determined by popular vote or reliable polls. Truth is not the product of the executive, legislative, or judicial branch of government. The truth that free people need to understand and choose is God's truth. God's truth about the nature and destiny of the human being. God's truth about good and evil, about right and wrong. And God's truth is above and beyond all truths conceived by men or nations. You see, the law doesn't determine what is true and just. The law only is a reflection of the people's conception of what is true and just as they're given to understand it. So the law must have a moral and spiritual base beyond itself. And you can be certain that if the general public no longer can discern good from evil, right from wrong, truth from falsehood, then our laws will eventually reflect that and follow suit. Now I'm sure that for people like us, people in a church on this Sunday after Independence Day, we've lost none of our passion for liberty, I hope. We cherish it and we still continue to sing its praises. But I do wonder if you would agree with me that liberty's base and its foundation are rapidly vanishing in our day. And if this is true, it ought to be a cause of great concern. Increasingly, we find ourselves living in an age where the very foundation stones of freedom are being undermined and washed away. Truth has no objective basis anymore. It's just your opinion or my opinion. And morality and ethics are simply a matter of personal choice. And any notion of duty is regarded as a denial of our personal freedoms. Despite the fact that apart from personal responsibility and duty there is no freedom. The psalmist declared, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And for many generations our nation has been blessed of the Lord. And if it is our desire to see our children and our grandchildren enjoy the same liberties and blessings that have been ours. And to which we've become accustomed. Then we should help them and ourselves to remember and understand as our next hymn will put it. That the light of freedom is a holy light. And that God alone is the author of of liberty and that the future of freedom in this society and on all democratic societies rests firmly on our faith in and our obedience to the God who created us. I'd like to close with this prayer that's really the, the words of another patriotic hymn. Let us pray. God bless our native land. Firm may she ever stand, through storm and night when the wild tempest raise, ruler of wind and wave, do thou our country save by thy great might. For her our prayer shall rise, to God above the skies, on him we wait. Thou who art ever nigh, guarding with watchful eye, to thee aloud we cry, God save the state. And not for this land alone, but be God's mercies shown from shore to shore and may the nation see that men should brothers be and form one family the wide world o'er Amen